Welcome to Daily Verse-by-Verse Verse Bible Study, where my name is not important, but the name of Jesus Christ is. We study the Bible verse-by-verse, verse, observing the text, interpreting the meaning, and applying it to our lives. It's important and biblical that you study the whole counsel of God, that you be ready in season and out of season, that you go and make disciples, and that you be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, and that you rightly divide the word of truth. Welcome to the first episode of Revelation. Revelation is truly one of my favorite books of the Bible. My two favorite books are Genesis and Revelation. They are the bookends of the Bible, the start and the finish, and they help us to understand a lot of the other books of the Bible. It was written around AD 95. Domitian it was the ruler of Rome, and he demanded that people worship him. There was a failed attempt to boil John, and this is the disciple John, a failed attempt to boil him alive. And then he was banished to this barren island of Patmos. That is here where he had the revealing from Jesus for the book of Revelation, and it was given to us. It's an incredible book in so many different respects. It's written largely, if not entirely, in chronological order. It has its own outline in chapter 1 verse 19 it has its own little outline which is unusual and awesome and it will fulfill a lot of the prophecies from the rest of the books of the Bible one rule that is key to scripture is to let scripture interpret scripture and we are going to use that rule a lot of people think that the book of Revelation is too hard to understand and therefore they don't study it. Or churches may be afraid to teach it because they may feel that it could divide their congregation or cause too much problem or whatever the situation may be. But this is an incredible book and we're going to talk about that throughout the whole book, why it's important, what's so great about it. But we're going to jump in here in just a minute. But as John wrote this, he was on the island of Patmos, a rocky, barren island all by himself. So I want to ask you, what is your Patmos? What is your rocky, dry, barren season? Have you gone through it? Are you going through it right now? Will you go through it? Because when we go through the Bible, we're going to look at the observation the interpretation and the application. We're going to observe the text, we're going to interpret it to find out what it means, and then we're going to apply it to your life and to my life so that we can actually make change, so that we can become more godly in our character, in our actions, and in our words. And the uniqueness of this last book is given in the first word, Revelation. In the original, it was apocalypsis. It means the unveiling, the, un the origin of the word apocalyptic. And it's a type of writing found in Daniel, Ezekiel, and Zechariah in the Old Testament, but only found here in Revelation and the New Testament. And it refers to the prophetic visions of the future that use symbols, figures, and other literary devices. So let's begin. Verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants 
things which must shortly take place. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, who is him? When did, and that is Jesus. Well, when did Jesus know everything? I'm not positive of the answer to that, but Mark 13:32 and Luke 2:52 suggest that Jesus went through life learning and not fully realizing that he came to die for us until age 30 or so when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And it was to show his servants. The Father gave revelation to the Son, Jesus. The Son gave revelation to John. And John gave revelation to us that we might understand the things that must shortly come to pass. So this book is for us here today and when it uses that word, which must shortly take place, the Greek word translated shortly is in tachai. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, though, meaning it must come to pass with rapidity. It's the same Greek word that we get from the word tachometer, the instrument used to determine the speed of an engine. Thus, Jesus is telling us in this verse that when the end time events begin to happen, they'll increase with their RPMs and happen with greater rapidity with greater speed kind of think about as you age it seems like life just goes faster and faster and I, I think back right now and 25 years ago or so when I was in college and it really just seems like yesterday um, so just kind of think of it like that that these things come and as time goes on it seems like they, they come quicker and quicker in the back part of voice verse 1 it says and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. I want to mention here that there's a few reasons why Revelation is written with such imagery. Some people tend to mysticize it, and that's unfortunate because they can really change what is intended here. They can go off on their own tangents and start to use their emotions like our society today is trying to change our law, our moral law, our law of the land based on their emotions, what they feel, not on something that is grounded in truth. And that is the truth of Jesus Christ, and that's what we want. So it was written with imagery, perhaps for protection, because the enemies at the time would not have been able to um, clearly and quickly understand it. That it's intended to convey. If you think about pictures and symbols, they're more timeless than cultural language. When we use um, words and, and pictures and symbols, it can evoke strong emotions. And that's the other thing that it does is it provides powerful emotions. So the reason for the sim, uh, symbolism that you'll see or imagery throughout Revelation is it helps for, was for their protection back then. It conveys um, timeless concepts and, and it evokes our emotions, which is really what God wants us to do is to draw that out. And it says, signified it by his angel to his servant, John. John was his willing servant, even during this horrible trial. Think about it. They tried to burn you alive, and then they put you on an island to die. Just think of it as a jail cell. Now you, as a believer, or maybe you're an unbeliever at this point, if someone tried to boil you alive or kill you, let's just say in our society they tried to shoot you, they shot you, but you didn't die, and then they put you in a, a solid, solitary confinement in jail all by yourself. Would you still love Jesus? Would you still seek the truth? Or would you live a life of bitterness 
and anger. John did not do that. He went for the truth. He sought the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his ears were open and he was able to hear and willing to convey the messages that he was receiving here. So as you and I go through our trials, whether that be now or the next trial which will come, and by the way, you will go through a trial. Some of you are going through it now and if you've never really been in that trial, just get prepared because it will come. I promise you that. But when we're in that trial, are we going to be bitter? Are we going to complain? Are we going to anger and resentment and questions? Are you real, God? Could you really be real if you're allowing this to happen in my life? Or are we going to sit there and say, God, you're good. You're sovereign. I trust you that your ways are higher than mine, that you're more powerful than mine than me, that you're omnipotent, that you're omnipresent, that you're everywhere at once. Are we going to say those things or are we going to have a pity party? I encourage us to look to Jesus and not to throw that pity party. And verse 2 says, Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. So he rolled up his sleeves and he got into the word of God. Are you doing the same? Or are you just meddling around, maybe going to meet with Jesus once a week in church? or twice a year as a CEO, uh, church going to church on uh, Easter and Christmas only. Well, I'll, I'll say that a different way, CEO, Christmas and Easter only. Um, when I went to college, I, I didn't go to church much. I went a couple times a year. I thought I was a Christian, but as I look back on it now in my life, I would say that I was churched, but not changed. And therefore, if you ask me when I became a Christian, I'll tell you that it was around the age of 33. That's when I gave my life to Christ. That's when I realized that he was in control. That's when I realized that I wanted to submit my will for his will. And then verse 3, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So think about this. It means the word translated means to read out loud. This is the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing to those who read this book out loud, let's say teach it, or even reading it to yourself out loud, and to those who hear the words of this book. The only book of the Bible that promises a blessing for teaching, reading it aloud, and listening to it. That's why it's such a shame that so few people have read this book or tried to read this book. They put it off as too hard, too much conflict. I can't understand it. I don't want to teach it because there's too much controversy around it. No, no, no. This is the only book that promises a blessing. That doesn't mean you can't be blessed by reading and teaching and learning from other books of the Bible. Absolutely you can. But there's a special, special blessing attached to this one, which is why Jesus tells us that in this verse here. Thank you so much. We'll stop there for today. Thank you for joining us. Now go and make disciples. Be the hands and feet of Jesus and tell people about Jesus with your actions and your words. Please consider sharing this podcast via social media or texting it to your friends, family, and colleagues. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.